This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. I have a plan. When lives are at stake. There's no problem you can't solve. You've got to improvise. MacGyver winter premiere tonight at 9 on Global. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, we got a goal for Team Canada. They lead Sweden 1-0 World Junior Gold Medal game about six minutes into the second period. Oilers have traveled to Dallas. They will play there tomorrow. Al Montoya, as you heard Bob Stoffer say, has joined the team. He saw Montoya at the uh, hotel today. The Oilers update for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. Of course, 630 Ched, the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and your Edmonton Eskimos. And I'm pleased to welcome in studio one of your favorites, Eskimos offensive lineman DeAnthony Batiste. DA, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Glad to be here. So congratulations, buddy. You got uh, you got a two-year contract, brand new, signed earlier this week. How are you feeling? Um, great. I'm just glad to be with the organization for another two years and hopefully retire as an Eskimo. That's the goal. So I'm uh, glad to be with the organization for another two years and see that your hard work pays off on the field and the organization rewards you in return. So okay. that's good now, to see. Now this is different for you, right? Because last year you were a free agent. Correct. And then you signed with the Eskimos early in the season, right? Yes. When they had yes. some injuries on the O-line. Correct. Mm-hmm. And you pl- and you played when you were needed. Exactly. So how did you, that must have been a different process for you. How, how did was. you deal with that mentally? Um, to be honest with you, I just took more of a leadership role. Um, that's whenever my veterans, uh, I would like to say, uh, experience came into play. Just coaching my younger guys up that were in there, if they had any struggles uh, with technique throughout the week, uh, scouting out the guys that they're playing against that I was obviously used to playing against uh, my previous three seasons with the organization. And uh, and just kept coaching my guys up and keeping them uh, in tune with the game and showing them how to be a professional. So that's what the backseat role that I took going into the season. And it was, I felt like it was uh, very beneficial for me to play for that, play for the organization in that role. Okay, so so you're embracing the fact then, or maybe you aren't embracing it, but let me ask you this way. How, how do you feel about you may help a guy be a bit of a mentor correct but as a result that might cost you playing time yes well that's part of uh the game i remember being the young guy teasing all the guys whenever i was coming up at, but they were always the ones that were willing to offer me uh some veteran leadership and they were always the ones that were coaching me up and uh in, in certain roles, that's needed, especially whenever it comes to having a young team, whenever you have guys that are younger than you, say they're 24, 25, they haven't played very much ball in their past, um, as some guys on the offensive line normally have. Uh, you you kind of step in and you take that role wholeheartedly because whenever we win championships and we win games, you have ownership in that as well. 
and uh, me, a guy looking towards the end of my career, um, looking at going into more of a backseat role, probably, probably getting into coaching one day after I'm done playing, um, I, I embrace this. I really enjoy seeing my hard work and how I coach up guys throughout the week, seeing them perform on a game day and seeing them put their best foot out there and knowing I had something to do with that. Well, and I mean, a couple of guys, uh, what was it, Beard and Grew, or a couple of the Correct. younger guys on the old line, and you needed both of them this year? Exactly, exactly. And coaching up, uh, having a, a guy like David Beard that we share uh, lockers, we're actually locker neighbors, um, having him right there and coaching him up, I've really enjoyed uh, coaching up my young guys just like David Beard. All right, DeAnthony Batiste from the Eskimos joining us in studio tonight. So you signed the two-year deal, and I know you, I mean, we've had you in before, and you've yep. certainly uh, made Edmonton your home. Yes, and, I have. And you've embraced it. Yep. I had Zilstra on the show earlier. Yes. And he kind of said, like, he couldn't believe all the well wishes yes. he had from Eskimos fans in the last couple of days since the news of his signing Correct. came out. So it's a lot, it's, I, I think, w- would you say a lot of the American players are surprised by this community once they get up here? Uh Yes, I definitely was uh, surprised about how the, the term that we always use in our organization and has been embraced as a town is once an Eskimo, always an Eskimo. And a lot of places you've been, there's sayings and little catchphrases like that that, that people like to use. But um, here in Edmonton and being an, an Edmontonian, uh, they really take that to heart. And the town definitely embraces their team because we have a lot of history and a lot of uh, history of winning championships. And team the team uh, that has that much history, um, the, our town seems to embrace championships. They embrace winning. And if you have a part in that uh, in the organization or, or in the town, um, the team's going to uh, carry you around for a long time. And that seems to be the, the they like to keep it guys of uh, integrity around in this organization and uh, if you have a lot of high integrity and you play an integral part in this city and this community um, the town will reward you in return by embracing you and that's how I've felt since I've been here. Okay, did you get to be here for the minus 30 over Christmas yes, or, did did. You, or did you get to go somewhere? Well, warm? you know what, you know what, I, I came back here um, on the 28th and I landed in my truck, which is in Fahrenheit. It said negative 25, and I saw that, and I was like, okay, I'm going to wait another 15, 20 minutes for my truck to warm up before I even attempt to drive home, which is only maybe 10 kilometers away from the airport. So, yeah, that that was how I embraced your cold weather. So, yeah, I wasn't ready for it, not mentally prepared at all. So if I was playing a game, I would have lost. <laughs> <laughs> you guys love playing cold weather, though. Yeah. The offensive linemen to go out there in short sleeves oh, to prove how gosh. tough they are. Yes, yes. We had great opportunity to prove how tough you are when you're moving around all game. But whenever you're just getting off an airplane, yeah, you're not mentally prepared for that. <laughs> you, you went home to Louisiana? Yes, I did. Was, I it, was it still incredibly hot there in No, December? it was actually a little cool home in Louisiana. Um, got a chance to get some gumbo, a little bit of boudin and stuff like that. So I came back with an extra five pounds, but that's all right. Well, you'll burn that off, no yeah. problem. Yeah. Uh, d- dare I ask what your <laughs> ideal weight is? My ideal weight is actually playing at 295. And how tall are you? I'm 6'4". You're 6'4", so you want to be around 295. Correct. Right. Uh, now, when you're working out, and we and we should say, you and I sometimes see each other at the Commonwealth Rec Center. Yeah, yeah. Though I've been a little lazy this winter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a, A, first of all, because of an injury, and then B, second of all, just because of laziness. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> when you're in the off-season, are you are, are you lifting? Are you going to try to do a little bit of running, or what are you doing? You know what? Um, I lift um, 
pretty much six days a week. I do cardio at least three times a week uh, in conjunction with my lifting program. And uh, now that it's we've had a decent amount of time to get away from football, we're going to get together, uh, the guys that are in town, we're going to get together and start training together um, in the Commonwealth uh, facilities. Okay. So, so what, what if do you guys did the old lie but ever be like okay let's see who can lift the most and if so what do you do is it yeah, a deadlift is it a bench press yeah it, it yeah you know how that goes. <laughs> you always um, win is that what you're saying no we no I don't not saying I always win but it definitely is a bit of a uh, <laughs> a, a meat locker in there at times so we definitely can uh, well, what's O'Donnell's like seven feet tall yeah so he's got he an like, advantage right 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 but then he can always blame it like oh my arms are longer than yours so. You know, there's always the excuses that kind of start coming out if you beat somebody out. But, yeah, we definitely have a really good dynamic. We've been together for a while on the offensive line. O'Donnell. Um, Sorensen's Sorensen. made Edmonton home. Exactly. So, you know, whenever you have guys that have been around each other for that long, it's going to make for a fun dynamic, that's for sure. All right, DeAnthony Batiste joining us. I mentioned Zilstra. Correct. Um, I, I mean, how do you feel when your leading receiver and the league's leading receiver leaves, <laughs> but you know – there's the opera because you were in the NFL and right, you know the correct. money the money and the fame is, is right. it can be pretty uh, pretty nice there so how do, how do you look at it when he goes good for you good for you take your opportunity uh, run with it don't look back uh, make Edmonton proud make the Eskimos proud and uh, just live your career to the fullest and that, that's my advice to Brandon Zilstra did you see it from him when he was on the practice roster before he got into games yeah, I actually were telling, uh, actually, our head pro, um, player personnel guy, Rob, and I said, uh, I said that wide receiver, um, I'm like, y'all keeping him around? He was like, oh, yeah, you know, we like him. I said, good, because I really like him, too. And right. I'm like, if I'm ever going to have a future in coaching or scouting, I, I, I would bank it on this guy because <laughs> he's got the right attitude. He has the prototypical body. He's a long guy. He can stretch out to get um, a, a lot of hard catches, especially going across the middle. And that guy's got a bright future. So I wish him all the best, and I'm glad to say, you know, I played with a guy like that. You guys re-signed C.J. Gable, who yes. was uh, an acquisition partway through the season correct tell me about the impact he made and how he was able to do it he's a guy that he he gets a lot of yards after contact he's a yak guy uh somebody like that you can't ever take your hands off of the wheel you can't ever stop blocking your guy because one guy's not going to take him down it's going to take two or three guys to take a guy like that down and he gets you a lot of extra yards and that wears on a defense uh, i look at running the ball as like taking body blows to a defensive line and to a defense so whenever a defense gives up a long run i feel like that's a major body blow and then you once they've taken a few body blows you kind of sit back and you can go over the top and it really opens up your passing game so having somebody like that that can play a huge integral part of your offense but a consistent part of your offense getting a lot of yak yards and a lot of extra yards on the ground um, he definitely opened up our offense and we benefited from having him in the backfield you know I, I really thought because it was a cr- weird season for the Eskimos win seven lose six win five yeah and during that losing streak and you know I, and I know Perkins and Van had some good games but I really thought 
teams weren't respecting the run and weren't respecting the the play action, and they right. were just like, "We're we're going to get Mike, yeah, run or pass. We're going to get Mike." And I and I thought, and I thought that was his kind of one little dip in the season too was in the middle there. Right, right, and it was definitely a tough low losing six in a row. You definitely. You can't say as a competitor, after losing probably number five or six, you don't take a second to just look yourself in the mirror and wonder if you're doing everything you can to help the team be successful and making sure that you're doing everything you can to make sure you're not the being part of the problem, not part, be a part of a solution. And going into a six-game stretch like that, um, it, it made us a tougher team. And it would allow us to go on that seven-game stretch where we didn't lose a game again because we had met so much adversity. So we had already had our our gut check in the middle of uh, in the middle of a six-game losing streak. If you didn't have it by number five or number six, I have to really comp- uh, question your competitive edge. But I guarantee you, after three, number four, guys were looking at themselves in the mirror, making sure that they were part of the solution, not part of the problem. All right, we're gonna we're gonna break. You're staying until 7:30. I'm gonna make yep, you. I'm right. gonna make your. Did you do your NFL playoff? picks yeah, oh, when we get back. Yeah. All right. Oh, yep, we'll be ready by then. DeAnthony Batiste <laughs> in studio. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Okay, I'll catch up on some of your texts to 630-630 after the 730 news because I'm getting some uh, good stories in. Uh, Sean says, uh, hey, Reed, I'd say Coach Batiste sounds pretty good. Maybe even he could be a color commentator somewhere somewhere cold great interview <laughs> still he's still got at least two years of playing left there you new go. contract with the eskimos but yep. uh, clearly you're thinking that. i mean you're a smart guy i appreciate that you don't want to be done with playing someday and then not you know, have no idea what you're doing exactly you to be honest with you, you put so much time in playing uh ball you gain a love for just the sport and it becomes part of your life and it's almost like you can't imagine going without it. All right, we're going to do our uh, picks. This gotcha. is DA is you, yeah. RW is me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what's on the line. Just bragging rights, I guess. Yeah, of course. When I see it at the rec center. Exactly. I could be like, yeah, I can't lift 100 pounds, but I go. picked one game correctly in the NFL playoffs. You know what? Let's say 100 push-ups. We could make it 100 push-ups. Yeah, if you give me a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I could do it. The, the only thing I can moderately accomplish is distance running because I do one half marathon. Gotcha. You think you could run a half marathon? I could, No. <laughs> Simply put, no. So you I'm, do it probably bang out a 10K, though. Yeah, I could bang out 10K. The 21K, and you'd then get bored. Just make sure there's a wheelchair at the finish line. For oh, <laughs> well, you're always doing short bursts, right? You got to be strong for four or five hey, seconds. You know, I'm, I'm a one trick pony. Can't fit a you know a square peg down a round hole. That's, you ever been blocking for a quarterback and then be like, how'd you get over there if yeah. he's running around? Yeah, yeah. No, that happens a lot. Whenever you have a good scrambling quarterback like Mike Riley, that happens sometimes, you know. <laughs> You're just keeping the play alive. Uh, hey, that's it. I'll take, I'll take with the good with the bad, to be honest with you. Well, MLP, pretty good year for Mike. Hey, that's it. I'll take the good with the bad. Sweden has scored. <laughs> 1-1. Sweden Canada, four minutes left in the second period. World Junior gold medal game. All right. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow, we got Titans, Chiefs. I got to go, uh, I got to go, ch- I got to go Chiefs. Uh, sound a little. I know Andy Reid in the playoffs. Too sure about that pick. Sounds too sure. I'm going Tennessee. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Isn't ten, isn't one of the Tennessee running backs not playing? Is it Murray that's not yeah, playing? Yeah, yeah. I'm not worried about that. I'm pretty. They're a pretty good team. I'm. We'll be all right. 
You know, Andy Reid has that reputation in the playoffs, right? That something something goes wrong when he's coaching yeah, in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to have to stick. I, I have a few coaches on that team that I've previously been coached by. I'm going to stick with my Tennessee Titans. Okay. I feel like I have inside scoop. Oh, here we go. <laughs> all right. Uh, Falcons, Rams. It, first of all, Gurley's got to be the, ML, the MVP, right? Yeah. Like Winston finished the season. Been, he's been running like his hair's been on fire. I mean, Brady still led the league in passing yards I mean, at the age of whatever it is now. He's the GOAT. <laughs> he's the GOAT. It is undebatable now. or It's undebatable a word. It's not debatable. Yeah. Here's the thing about I always I would argue with people when they would say Brady was the greatest quarterback of all time yeah. in 2005. Because yeah. I would say, I know he's already won three, but let's... To you still know, be Montana, all those guys. So but, effective but he's at still, this yeah. age. I mean, come on. I mean, this guy can still chuck a football like he like he does. He makes no mistakes. Uh, it's hard to beat Tom Brady. Do you, do you buy any of this Discord stuff, him and Belichick and the owner? Oh. Or is that just a product of being together for 20 years? Oh, yeah, there's always where there's smoke, there's fire, though. But to be honest with you, they're just looking at something just to knock them off their rocker. You know, it, it's, it's New England drama. It's got to be some type of drama. Every other year what it was it was the deflate gate the first yep, time spying then spying yeah they just got it they're keeping it pretty colorful in new england to be honest with you they just felt like there wasn't enough drama going around that's all okay falcons at rams that could be a good one yeah i'm gonna have to go with the i'm gonna have to go with the rams sorry Okay, well, I'll take Atlanta just to be different. Yeah, Though just to be probably, different. I think the Rams are probably slightly better. Yeah. Better. I mean, Gurley's going to be the best player in the game. Exactly. Even though there's Matt Ryan, exactly. even though there's Julio Jones. Yeah. That could be a 38-35, though. Yeah, exactly. But, we you know, they're not a fourth-quarter team, so we'll see how it goes. All right. Yep. The game, uh, this is an interesting one. Two teams who have been kind of doormats for a long time. Mm. Bills mm. at Jaguars. Oh. <laughs> I, you know I, what? I guess I'll go with the home team again. Yeah, you know what? You're going. You're going Jacksonville. Might as well. You don't have to go Buffalo. Yeah, you I'll know what? Jack- I'm going Jacksonville. I, yeah, we can agree that, on that. That one. was my pick. Sorry, I, Calais Campbell, a uh, former teammate of mine. He's just been playing like he's just been lights out the entire year. So he's playing unconscious. Okay, and then the Sunday afternoon game: Panthers at Saints. Obviously, that division was uh, outstanding. You had yes. three teams get into the playoffs. Uh, I'm a Louisiana guy. You know I got to go with New Orleans. Okay, I'm going to go not with ready Carolina. For that, for that online blow up, and I'm probably going to get a call from my mom and everybody I'm related to. No, I'm going to New Orleans. Yeah, y'all welcome. Okay, I'm going to go Carolina. <laughs> so we're only agreeing on one game, so we can't be tied because we got three uh, three games different. Exactly. So we'll either have you on again next week, or you can just text me your picks. And yeah, yeah. We'll keep you unless you're up four nothing. Right. Then I'm just going to concede. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine with me. Fine with me. Will you will you sit and watch uh, all? Like, like, do you do you like to just sit and watch football for six hours in the off season, or how? Are you, what are you going to do this weekend? Yeah, well, I'm going to try to watch as much football as I can, whatever I can catch. To be honest with you, but I, I'm going to watch definitely the New Orleans game and Rams, Atlanta. Definitely going to check those two games out. and can't miss those. I have a lot of rapport with those teams, so interested to see who's going to win. All right. DA, thank you so much for coming in. DeAnthony Batiste, Eskimos offensive lineman, just signed a, a new two-year deal earlier this week. Uh, Happy New Year. Thank you so much for thank coming you. in. Yeah, have a good one. All right, we're going to take a quick time out for the news. I'll catch up on your text. We'll catch up on the scoreboard. And Pat Steinberg is going to join us. He covers the Calgary Flames, and you've probably seen the video by now. Glenn Gullitz in a rant at practice, punctuated 
by throwing his stick about a dozen rows up into the crowd. Luckily, it was empty, obviously. The seats were empty. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Second intermission, World Junior gold medal game. It is 1-1, Canada and Sweden. Tense one tonight. NHL action. Golden Knights lead Chicago 2-1. Second period is just starting. In the second period, 3-1 Jets up on the Sabres. Wheeler has his 14th. After two, San Jose taking it to Ottawa. It's 5-2 for the Sharks. Early in the third, Detroit leading the Panthers 2-1. With about six and a half minutes to go, the Penguins are up 3-0 on the New York Islanders. Oilers tomorrow at Dallas. Furnace Family Oilers Hockey, Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. 11.30 face-off show. The game will start at 1. Patrick Maroon will serve the second of his two-game suspension. Another game on Sunday, same times, 11.30 and 1, as uh, the Oilers visit Chicago. Five-game road trip and then the Oilers bye week. Some guests on the show, like DeAnthony Batiste, for example, get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Enjoy down south comfort food, music, and southern hospitality in the Rumpus Room at Northern Chicken, 10704 124th Street. So the picks for the NFL playoffs this weekend. Batiste goes Tennessee. I go Kansas City. I go Atlanta. He goes the Los Angeles Rams. We both go Jacksonville. He goes New Orleans. I go Carolina. Can I beat a pro football player at something football-related? Why would I even enter into such a contest? (laughs) Kellen Kennedy is quietly questioning my intelligence once again. Yeah, I mean... I could see you judging me, Kellen. I mean, if you're bored, just let me know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, I got a few more texts than I thought. Mm. Try to read as many as I can. Uh, This texter says, just to defend Brassois for a moment, in more than 50% of the games he's been a part of, he's allowed two or fewer goals. And those make up 50% of the games in which he played and the Oilers lost. You're not winning a lot of games in this league if you can't even score two. Brassois hasn't been a bad, as bad a backup as the influence of our terrible scoring consistency suggests. I think fair comment. The Oilers have been a very up-and-down team. I've, I've been using that stat all week. They've actually scored as many goals as they did at this point last year. They've given up way more. They have lost six games by four goals or more after losing two such games all of last year. They've won four games by four goals or more, matching their total for all of last year. They have been a bit of a feast or famine team. It does start, though, with the goals against, and they were able to uh, keep that down last night. Uh, this texter says, we were talking about coaching tantrums you have witnessed. 
Well, this here's one from an official standpoint. I was refereeing a soccer game once and had to physically break up a fight between the two opposing coaches that were arguing over who would provide the game ball. Uh, one one team wanted to use an orange ball. The other coach wanted to use a white ball. I had to physically break up the fight. Both teams played without any coaches until trouble started in the first half, and then the game was abandoned. Wow, that is uh, I that is a new one. Arguing over the color of the ball. This texture says, "Read, what's your theory as to why Oilers play poorly in afternoon games?" Well, I have a few. First of all, they generally don't play very many of them. I mean, they usually play one home afternoon game per year. They have more. I think they have 10, 10 or 11 this year, which is way more than they usually have. So, so I think it's out of their comfort zone. And let's, let's be perfectly honest, everybody. Since 1990, the Oilers haven't, don't have a good record in games in general, right? I mean, they were really good for their first 11 years in the league. And how, how good have they been since then? Not really that good. I mean, they, they missed the playoffs for 10 straight years recently. They missed the playoffs a lot in the 90s. We're, we're off and on kind of between 91 and 2006. So uh, I, I think that that's another part of the theory is that the, uh, the franchise hasn't been very good for a long time. So they've lost a lot of games of a lot of different varieties. West End Ron getting fired up. He says, hey, Reed, 49ers next year. Well, Garoppolo, unbelievable. For the 40, West End Ron must think he has the next Joe Montana on his hand. Or maybe the next Tim Rattay, perhaps. Wasn't he one of the quarterbacks that followed the uh, young Montana era? I'm a little Tim bit. Tim Rattay? Yeah. Uh, I'm a little bit in mourning because the 49ers have a little bit of a more of a positive outlook than the Seahawks got for next year. So Seahawks, you got Russell I, Wilson. You got a quarterback. Yeah, have a chance. They just now need to retool their defense and their offensive line, so he doesn't have to run around for 20 seconds. Every Which play. is tough in today's game. They were That's physically the dominated in the last, second half of the season. Oh, big time, big time. The Rams especially completely pushed them around. They did beat Philadelphia though. Yeah. That game but, against Dallas, though, was not great. Well, that was a complete that theft. Was, oh, and that, then you have to beat Arizona to have a chance, yeah. and your defense can't stop them. No. They, they dropped off a lot on defense. They did, yeah. Okay, here's a text from Ken. He says, Reed, I'm sure you can relate to this one. I was playing my second year of midgets for Evansburg. How about this? We got, a, got an Evansburg text. When our RCMP coach decided that we needed a bigger challenge, he lined up a game against the Marathorpe Junior Spurs. For us, it was the first real gritty hockey test. We were coming off the ice after the first period, getting the crap beat out of us, and a couple ladies were shouting out, quick being wimps, get out there and play. Well, being 17 years old, I shouted profanity back at them. My coach heard what I said, picked me up by the scruff of the neck, and threw me through the locker room and then sat on me until I calmed down. It was only after that did I realize the ladies were speaking to the referees, not to us players. LOL. I still remember the look on those ladies' faces. Shock! That is a text to Ken to 630-630. Wow. Nothing like the Evansburg hockey stories at the old... Oh, I can't even believe I forgot the name of the arena. It was, uh, 
I think it was the Pembina Rec Center because the Pembina River goes between Evansburg and Entwistle. Yeah. Right. Oh, you know, you didn't grow up in Evansburg. How do you know? No, but I spent a lot of time on that river. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, scout camps and such. So watching professional wrestling. No, I wish. <laughs> I, I still say the the best the best stories. Now, now most of most of you are going to have hockey stories since it's the the dominant uh, sport in this country. But I I still think some of the most entertaining interactions are between basketball coaches and officials. And, uh, and and again, I was lucky to see a lot of them and a lot of little games play. When I worked in Lloydminster, we mic'd up Phil Allen once for the first half of a game. And it's just constant. And it's not, it's not necessarily abuse or profanity. It's just all these little digs and ways to try to work the refs. Because you know basketball is one of those sports you could you could call a foul almost every drive to the basket, right? So referees have to decide what's the tone of the game, what, what are they going to call, what are they not going to call? And Phil used to have I, I can't remember Paul Sir might have told this on our story uh, on our show. Paul's the executive director of Basketball Alberta, but Phil used to have a maneuver where so say so say I so say player X got a foul and he played for Phil. So the other team is shooting free throws and say player X is on the court and he's kind of standing near the referee and say they're kind of near the Phil's bench. So Phil would say to the player, don't worry, player X, this guy won't make such a stupid call again. <laughs> so, so the ref can't turn around and say, don't go, because Phil can say, well, I'm just talking to my guy. I'm allowed to talk to my players. What do you mean? No, I'm not, I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. So little games like that that basketball coaches play. Big outburst today by Glenn Gullitson of the Calgary Flames. We'll talk about that with Pat Steinberg when we get back. This is Darius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Really appreciate it. Oilers game tomorrow. That's going to be fun. We'll sign on at 11.30. Oilers uh, facing down pretty much must wins all the time. What is this one? West End Ron, uh, when I was around 10 years old, Stampede Wrestling came to Olds. My friends and I chased J.R. Foley to his long black limo after the event as we were mad of his constant cheating. The heels were also in that limo, a memory I'll never forget. Wow, that's a good one. Uh, Alan the Farmer says... I was playing rugby for the Strathcona Druids, a U18 game versus St. Albert. Our rivalry was always heated. We lined up for a scrum in front of the opposing team's bench when the coach started hurling insults at us. My eight-man jumped out of the scrum, started giving him the business. It set off a legendary 30-man fight that is still talked about to this day. We won the fight and the game. That is from Alan the Farmer. Well, the topic uh, started as uh, uh, coaching outbursts. I guess there was a coach involved in that one. Kind of just became some interesting stories involving outbursts of, of any kind. Here's what happened, uh, the, the starting point for all this conversation. Here's a, a snippet of what happened at Calgary Flames practice today. I, I, I edited this down a little bit. Got it from our friends at Global Calgary.
I'm sure you can guess what word was uh, beeped out there. A little bit of a reminder of what we saw from Todd McClellan about a month ago uh, when he had an outburst saying, how can we not complete a pass in a drill when no one's checking us and some teams are getting better today? What are we doing? That was after a loss. This is actually after a win for Calgary. Pat Steinberg was there today. He's uh, with Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Pat, how are you? Hi, Reed. What a pleasure to be on your program today. Yeah, that was great. Did you see that coming today? No, no. I uh, I wasn't uh, I was not expecting that. It's funny. Um, we So practice today was 11.30, so a little bit later after a game last night. And so you rolled into the rink today, and everybody's sitting around. And it's funny, actually, before what you just played happened, that was about, I want to say, 20 minutes into the practice. Before that, like after... You know, you guys got out, come out, everybody kind of trickles out from the locker room, and then they start, they do the lap, and then you know, they get into practice. And right before they got into doing drills, the coach called everybody over and kind of gave this message that was like, okay, you know what? You beat the LA Kings last night. That was a big win. You played well. It was one of the better games the Flames have played all season long. The second period, probably the best period the Flames have played all season long. And that's good. You need the two points. You know, you're staring down a lot of really important games in the second half of the season, but it's one game. You got to make it a springboard. You got to you got to build off of it, and that was kind of the message to start practice. And it was sloppy practice. It really was. I mean, that was one of the things that a lot of people were noticing. Geez, I mean, not not the crispest of practices, but I wasn't expecting that to happen. That was the first time I've ever seen the coach of this team have an outburst like that during a practice. So uh, I think that he, I think that it was definitely a message that he was trying to send before practice started. I don't think that he came to the rink today saying, I'm going to you know throw a stick 14 rows into the stands. And, well, and, yeah, well, that's you know, the but, other thing. I mean, that must have really caught everybody off guard. It did. It really did. And that's why it was the, the hush that came over the Saddledome and the media contingent as that happened was uh, was quite funny. It was like everybody's talking and carrying on, and then all of a sudden, hush, pin drop, as uh, as, as Glenn Gullitson delivered that rather profanity-laced message. It was, it was, it was interesting because, you know, it, it certainly speaks to what the biggest issue for the Flames, and I think that probably the biggest issue for a lot of teams that are on the outside looking at playoff spots right now would be, and that's consistency. Yeah. Now, we've seen the Flames play a lot of good games this year, but they've been separated by some really not-so-good games, and there's been such an up-and-down nature with this team this year that you know, I think the coach was trying to drive home, okay, complacency is death here. You know, yeah. like, And one of, the, one of the things he said, and I thought it was like one game, you know, look at where you are in the standings, and I'm editing that. But look, look at the standings. If you look at the standings lately, and they're they're on the outside looking in. So, so what did what did uh, he say after practice? And he must have made sure the stick was going to a spot where he knew no one could possibly be sitting, even in yes, an empty it, building. Yes, it was an empty building. There was uh, like there was less than. There, but he didn't throw it into the media section. People. No, no, we were on the other <laughs> side. Uh, there were fewer than zero people sitting in the area that he sat that, that he threw it. Um, but afterwards, he just he 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 didn't really downplay it. He didn't back away from it. He said, "Yeah, I, I didn't like the way we were practicing. We've got a standard that we got to get to. We weren't at it, and this is 
this is not a one in three league. This is an everyday league. But he also is kind of like, I mean, I've had worse outbursts than that behind closed doors. That one, I don't like to show you guys that very often, but then, you know, I've had worse than that behind closed doors. And that was kind of the same refrain for the players. Like, yeah, we've seen, we've seen Gully pretty mad before and we've seen him, you know, go off on us before. So, you know, it's just, it's interesting because it happened for everyone to see and when cameras were rolling and when we were all just uh, sitting there and watching that's the first time we've ever seen anything like that and certainly uh, I think the message of you can't be complacent was was the the main one being driven home or trying to be driven home and we'll see if the message was received or not look the Flames have a better record than, than Edmonton so I mean I don't ask this uh, to to be uh, to be a jerk, I totally realize uh, the team I cover is doing worse than the team you cover. Though neither one is in an enviable enviable spot. Flames are closer to a playoff spot, but what's their biggest problem this year? Um, I, it, it really is, and it, it's funny because I think that you know there's only five or six teams in this league that can say that yeah they play pretty consistently. I think that inconsistency is is part of the NHL in this day and age, but that really is it, and I think. I think it's plagued this team more so than in other years I've covered them. And, I mean, they, they the problem with that is that they entered the season with expectations, much like the Oilers did. You know, I think both the Flames and the Oilers entered this season with higher expectations than they have in a long, long time. For the Flames, I want to say this is the highest that the expectations have been, and justifiably so, since... I want to say the 09-10 season. So we're talking about seven, eight years. The last time expectations were this high. They went out, they acquired Mike Smith. They went out, they acquired Travis Hamannick. And they gave up sizable and significant assets to bring these guys in. And basically, the admission wasn't just in, in the moves they made. The admission was stated by management that we want to be more than just a playoff team. We want to be a team that battles near the top of the Western Conference and goes deep in the playoffs. Well, if those are the expectations that you set for yourself, well, then being a 500 team for the better part of two months isn't going to get the job done. And and after, you know, a, a decent month stretch from about the middle of October to the middle of November, this team has been spinning their wheels ever since. From November 15th to where we are now, they're, they're virtually a 500 team. And, and so... You know, you can't be a 500 team for a two-month span and expect to also be fighting near the top of the Western Conference. So that that has been their biggest issue, is that they've been spinning their wheels and that the highs have been very nice. I mean, like when, when you've seen this team play really well, they look good. They they generate shots, they create scoring opportunities, they get good goaltending, and it looks good. But when they're not when they're not there, you know, it's it's not just that they're not that good or as good. It's that they're not very good at all. And, I mean, you saw that game here at the, at the Saddle Dome when the Oilers, I know they ended up winning only 7-5, but the game was much more lopsided than that. And they've had, you know, there was the game before Christmas against the Montreal Canadiens, and they played some really good hockey for a few games leading in and laid an absolute egg. It's just been, when they're not very good, they're really not very good. And and so I think it's the ups and downs and the, the wild swings that have been kind of the, the biggest issue for this team. And the most frustrating part is that, you know, we saw a lot of that last year, but a lot of that was based on their goaltending. And this year the goaltending has been good, like really good. Mike Smith has come in and given them number one goaltending for the first time since Mika Kiprasov was But does that really do it? I mean, I mean, the last 90 seconds, but doesn't Smith do the put his arms up, look at his, his defenseman thing a little too much? 
I don't know. I mean, he's an emotional guy, Reed, right. and, and that's that's one of the things that uh, the the Flames coveted in him. They really liked the, the fact that he was a fiery guy. And, you know, he's he certainly. I I can't remember, let alone a goaltender, let alone a teammate, rip rip his team as much as Mike Smith has ripped them publicly after games and stuff like that. You're like, holy cow, that's 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 Mike Smith talking about. You know, they're not doing this, they're not they're not doing that. It's like, whoa, you don't hear that very often. He's a fiery guy. He's a competitive guy, but he's also been good. He's he's right. certainly given this team an opportunity to win, and they've gotten good. They've gotten good stuff from their backup goaltender too. So uh, that's that's the biggest issue: inconsistency and just the when they're good, they're really good. When they're bad, they just happen to be really bad. Pat, gonna be fun when the Oilers and Flames play later this month. Thanks for the update. I'm glad Gullison didn't hit you with that stick. You don't deserve it. See you, buddy. Bye, bud. That's Pat Steinberg from the Flames Radio Network. 14 minutes left in the third period. Gold medal game, World Junior. Canada, Sweden, 1-1. Penguins have beaten the Islanders 4-0. Sharks lead the Senators 5-3 in the third. Also in the third, Wings up 3-2 on Florida. After two, Jets up 3-2 on the Sabres. In the second period, Vegas up 3-2 on Chicago. I'll talk to you at 11.30 tomorrow morning for the face-off show. Game starts at 1, Oilers at Stars. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great weekend. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.